Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church. Jesus said that his kingdom was not of this world. Now, what does that mean? Does it just mean that it's slightly different to what we would expect? Does it mean it's like from an alien planet or does it mean it's completely different? What does it mean that the kingdom of God is not of this world? 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 50 says, Flesh and blood cannot, cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Now that's a bit of a mind-blowing statement. Jesus said in Luke 17, when the Pharisees were asking him, when is the kingdom coming? He said, the kingdom of God does not come with observation or it can't be observed. For uh, nor will they say, see here or see there. For indeed, the kingdom of God is within you. Now that even adds another wrinkle of complication to this question. What does it mean that the kingdom of God is not of this world? Flesh and blood cannot inherit it. It doesn't come with observation or it can't be observed. You can't say, see, here it is. See, there it is. It's within you. But hold on a sec. I'm of this world. How can the kingdom of God be within me? There are so many questions in this one question. What does it mean that the kingdom of God is not of this world? Let me, first of all, just read you the passage where Jesus said that in John 18. Uh, verse 33, Pilate entered the praetorium, called Jesus said, and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Verse 36, Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. And Pilate was confused. He didn't really have time to talk much to this guy. He said, what is the truth? And eventually he said to the crowd, I find no fault with him. But Jesus made a statement that his kingdom was not of this world. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. You mean my body? You mean my bank account? You mean my possessions? Everything of this world doesn't go into the kingdom of God? It doesn't come with observation. It can't be observed. You can't say, see here or see there. It's within you. What does this mean? Well, there was another confused person in John chapter 3. Verse 1, now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, He cannot enter the kingdom of God. He's just said you have to be born twice. And now he clarifies that. He says the first time is water. The second time is the spirit. Another way of saying that is a fleshly, earthly, of this world birth. And then an 
other birth that's not of this world. He goes on to clarify. Uh, he says, uh, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Two births, a fleshly birth. You see, all of us were born in a normal way, and we've lived most of our lives relying on our five senses. Our flesh is what interacts with the world around us. If it's hot, we know that because our body tells us it's hot. Um, if there is danger, we know that because our eyes or our ears or, or one of our five senses tells us that there is danger around. We interact, we interact with other people, but then there's an internal part of us that is not physical. It, we sometimes call it a soul or a personality or a mind. Um, but the Bible says there's even an, another layer called your spirit. And the soul is almost like the overlapping point between your spirit and your body. And your soul is where you have feelings and emotions and thoughts and personality. But they are kind of of this world because they're so influenced by what we see and hear and feel around us and by what other people say and do. And so now Jesus was saying, remember, he said, my kingdom is not of this world. Now he says, you have to be born again. There's a fleshly birth and a fleshly way of living and flesh gives birth to flesh. Yes, there's that world. But then you need a spiritual birth, which is different, he says. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. There's a spiritual birth that comes afterwards. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. And then he says, do not uh, marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes. You hear the sound. You cannot tell where it comes from uh, or where it's going. So is everyone who is born of the spirit. He says a picture might be of the wind. Um, it's different. You can't see it. You can't measure it. Uh, it's it's a, a, an illustration of the spirit world. But interestingly, the wind does affect the, the physical things. You can see the, the leaves of trees blowing and the spirit does affect the physical. But he said there is a different birth. Let me put this into context or say it another way. You, by your own abilities, your own worldly abilities, your own uh, efforts, uh, uh, goodness, uh, what you sense and, and feel and do with your body and your mind and your emotions, that can never get you into heaven. You may have been born into a family that is a religious family, a Christian family, or into a nation that is a religious or Christian nation, or may have had some kind of upbringing as a small child that is religious or Christian, but Jesus said, none of that will get you into the kingdom of heaven. There has to be a whole new birth, a spiritual birth. And just as flesh gave birth to flesh, this world and your parents brought you into this world. There has to be a spiritual birth where the Holy Spirit gives birth to you in the spirit realm and your spirit is made anew. And then uh, Jesus goes on to say in verse 10, are you the teacher of Israel and do not know these things? Most assuredly, I say to you, we speak what we know, we testify what we have seen, and you do not receive our witness. I've told you earthly things and you do not believe. Jesus was saying, I've tried to put this in a way that you can understand and you still don't get it. How will I believe if I tell you heavenly things? So again, flesh and spirit is now named earthly and heavenly. And then Jesus said in verse 13, no one has ascended to heaven, 
but he who came down from heaven, that is the son of man who is in heaven. That's Jesus speaking of himself. And he says, I've come down from heaven. I'm the only one who's ever seen heaven and in earth. And I'm still in heaven, the son of man who is in heaven. What a strange statement. He was saying, I'm there even while I'm here. These two realms, these two worlds can go together. Remember, he said the kingdom doesn't come with observing. You can't say it's here or there. It's within you. Uh, There's this very, very interesting dynamic. Have you understood or have you thought about the kingdom of God from these terms, in these terms? Because it's so important. We've got to get it. The kingdom of God was the message of the New Testament. The Bible says up until John the Baptist, the law and the prophets was preached. But then since John, it's the kingdom of God and you must enter the kingdom of God. Jesus also said this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world to every nationality and then the end will come. So I've got to understand if it's a kingdom that's not of this world, is there a chance that I am using my five senses, my fleshly efforts and abilities, maybe what I've learned from this world or from other people and thought I was engaging with the kingdom of God, whereas actually it's on a whole different level. Flesh and blood can't enter it, can't understand it. Flesh gives birth to flesh, spirit gives birth to spirit. And then Jesus said something interesting. He said, And as Moses lifted up the servant, the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. What's he saying there? In Numbers 21, there was an outbreak of poisonous snakes in the camp of the Israelites. And Moses cried out to God and said, Lord, how can I stop all these people being bitten by these snakes and dying? And God told him to do something very, very interesting. He said, make a bronze cast of one of those snakes, a statue, and put it high up on a pole. And when people look at the bronze snake, then they will be healed. And Jesus said, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. So there's this disease in our flesh. If we're going to rely on our our flesh, it's corrupted, it's corruptible, it's diseased, it's damaged, it's broken. And we can't use our flesh to get to heaven. It's just not possible. We can't do it. We can't be good enough. We can't be pure. We can't be perfect. We can't be holy. There's this disease, just like The serpents, the snakes were biting all the Israelites. Sin has affected all of us. And the answer is not to just try and get over the serpent bite, not to try in our own strength to be better. Jesus said that Moses made a picture, an, an image of that snake and raised it up. Jesus became an image of sin when he was on the cross. He took on all the sin of the world, the Bible says, and he became sin for us. So that as we look at him and as we believe that he is paying for us and something happens on the inside of us, it's not us trying in our own strength to be better and to get to heaven. It's us saying, I need to be born again. And Jesus' death on the cross is the only way for me to be made new and come alive in the spirit. And my friend, you may be listening to me and this may be the first time you've heard that it's not about religion, it's not about being good, it's not about obeying rules to get into heaven. It's about seeing Jesus 
on the cross. Imagine you were one of those Israelites and you'd been bitten by a snake and you knew you were going to die. And Moses said, look, look at this snake and you'll be healed. And you looked and suddenly you saw a picture of the thing that was killing you, but it brought healing, supernatural healing to you. It's the same with us. We are infected by sin and we have participated in that sin. But as we look at Jesus on the cross, he became sin for us. He paid the price and healing comes in. And we are made a, a brand new person on the inside. Jesus said, as Moses lifted it up, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Believing is another sense. And this is the key to how we enter this other kingdom, this kingdom that's from another world. We have five senses. We can touch, we can taste, we can smell, we can see, we can hear. But you have another sense called believing, which enables you to see and understand a realm that is invisible to your five senses. Let me just read on and then I'm going to explain that a bit better. Jesus said, whoever believes in him should not perish. As you believe in Jesus dying on the cross for you, something happens. Your spirit is made alive. Another kingdom comes into being in your life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So what is this strange thing called believing? I'm going to just go quickly and give you a few verses to help you understand how it's another sense. It's a whole other sense. Just as you've got sight and hearing and taste and smell and touch, you can interact and understand and get a, a, a feeling of this other world, this kingdom of God that is spiritual, not fleshly, that is of a whole nother realm that cannot be sensed with your five senses, that cannot be entered into with your fleshly effort. Hebrews 11 verse 1, Now faith or belief is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now just Think about that for a second. He says there are things hoped for and not seen. Hope is when you imagine something in your mind, in your heart, you dream of it. It's not in front of you. You, you don't have it yet, but you're dreaming and thinking of it. It's another realm. Hope is something else. And then not seen, he says, the uh, evidence of things not seen. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Substance and evidence. That sounds like something you can sense. When you touch something, you get a, a, a sense of the substance and you, you get evidence of it by seeing it, eyewitnesses. But it says we can have a substance and we can have an evidence. We can have a sense. We can know something's real, even though it's the substance of things hoped for which means imagined, it's not really here, we just can picture it in our minds, and not seen, which means I cannot touch it or see it or sense it. And faith is this other sense that lets me see this other realm, this other kingdom, this other world that flesh and blood cannot interact with. Faith is this ability God has given you and me 
to imagine another world and to sense it and to know it's true. You were not there when Jesus died on the cross. You can do your own research. You can look in the history records. You can read the Bible and you can find out what happened to him. But faith is when you imagine it, you hope, you dream, you don't see it and you say that was real. That was for me. Jesus was dying for my sins. Again, those are things that are intangibles, but we know they're real. The kingdom of heaven doesn't come with observation. It's not here or there. It's within you. Just as sin is within you, that, that, that thing within you that wants to go away from God, you say, I know that Jesus paid for that and I believe it and I take it. And Jesus said in John chapter 3 that just as the serpent, the, the bronze serpent statue was lifted up, everyone who looks at Jesus and believes, has faith, something happens and we enter into this other kingdom. But now I want to show you that faith is not just how you start your Christian walk. The whole of your Christian walk is by faith. Romans chapter 1 says it's from faith to faith. 2 Corinthians 5 says we walk by faith and not by sight. Faith is the opposite of sight. Faith is the way that you interact with this other kingdom called the kingdom of God. And the reason this is so important is because so many people, A, try to enter the kingdom of God through their senses. Do I feel like I'm in God's kingdom? or through their fleshly efforts, am I good enough to get into God's kingdom? That's the first problem. Or secondly, we may enter the kingdom of God by faith. We may say, Jesus, forgive me. I'm no good. I can't be good enough. Please wash me. But then we learn over time to be better and better, and we start to trust in our flesh again. And we think I can start by faith, but then I have to continue by self-effort and by works. And I want to show you from the book of Galatians, just very briefly, how dangerous that is. So in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 1, Paul says, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified? So he says, Somebody, Galatians, has come in and bewitched you or has tricked you. you um, you've not obeyed the truth anymore. You started well. At the beginning, Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. In other words, Paul painted a word picture for them and described Jesus dying on the cross for their sins, bleeding and suffering to pay for the sins of the Galatians. And they believed it. And they saw with the eye of faith and they took it in and they said yes and they became Christians. But he says something happened since then. Verse 2, this only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? He says when you first became Christians and you received the Holy Spirit, was it because you were good? You did the works of the law? You obeyed all God's rules? Or was it because you believed what you heard, the hearing of faith? Now, it obviously wasn't the works of the law because they had just become believers. So they were living lives of sin before. So obviously they started their Christian life by believing. When Paul described Jesus being crucified, they said, that's for me. Jesus paid for my sins. 
thank you, Jesus. And he says the Holy Spirit was given to them. Verse 3, are you so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? They'd started by the Holy Spirit and by this other kingdom, this kingdom not of this world, and by something that can't be touched or tasted or sensed. And now they were trying by their own flesh to be made perfect. You say, well, what were they doing? Well, others had come in and said to them, you must be circumcised. You must keep certain feast days and rituals and religious things. Otherwise, you're not a Christian. Let me read you a couple of these other verses just to give you the context of what the Galatians had done wrong. Galatians 4 verse 9, Paul says, Now after you have known God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you turn again to the weak and beggarly elements to which you desire again to be in bondage? You observe days and months and seasons and years. I'm afraid for you, lest I have labored for you in vain. They were saying, unless I keep a certain ritual and a certain day and, and do certain things, outward rituals, then I'm not a Christian. And he goes further in the next chapter, chapter 5, verse 1. He says, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made you free, and do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. What's the yoke of bondage? The yoke of bondage is trying to be good enough in your own strength or with your own five senses to say, now I'm a good Christian. Verse 2, he says, Indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. They were being told they had to be circumcised or go through a Jewish ritual in order to be saved. And he says, if you're now trying to rely on that, Christ profits you nothing. You've, you've moved out of the one kingdom back into the fleshly kingdom. Verse 4 he says, you have become estranged from Christ. You who attempt to be justified by law, you have fallen from grace. He says, if you now think, even though you started by believing and not by being good and not by sensing it and not by your own good fleshly works, even though you started with that, you're now trying to stay close to God by being good enough, by feeling good enough, by obeying outward rituals. He says, if you do that, if you attempt to be justified by law or by doing good things, you have fallen from grace, you've become estranged from Christ. So at the beginning, I said the kingdom of God is of another world. My kingdom is not of this world and flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Most of us Understand that when we believe and when we first get saved, but then many of us do what the Galatians did. And then we try through our five senses or by our human effort to stay close to God. Let me go back to chapter three. He says, are you so foolish? Having begun in the spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Are you now trying to do it in your own strength? Verse five, therefore, he who supplies the spirit to you, and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? And then he goes on to say it's only by faith. In other words, it's not going to be by your good efforts that you stay close to God. It's not going to be by what your five senses tell you. Now, why am I saying this? Christian, you and I easily fall into the trap of saying, I don't feel close to God anymore. 
I don't feel forgiven of my sins. I don't feel healed in my body. I don't feel close or uh, as a good Christian. I don't feel like other Christians accept me. I don't feel like I belong. I don't feel, I don't feel, I don't feel. And what we're doing is we're moving out of this kingdom, which is invisible, which cannot be seen, which is only hoped for. We're moving out of this intangible realm called the kingdom of God. And we're moving back into the kingdom of this world because we're relying on our own efforts, our own goodness, our own conscience, our own feelings, what our senses tell us. And I want to say to you that if you go down that route and if you keep going down that route, there is a danger that we become estranged from Christ. We may still call ourselves Christians. We may still go through the motions and the rituals of Christianity but we're relying on our own senses of whether I'm close to God or whether I'm forgiven or whether God loves me. And we're relying on my own goodness. Have I been good enough? Have I sinned? Have I had a quiet time? Have I given money to the poor? We're relying on our own goodness to say how close we are to God. And Jesus said it and Paul said it that you cannot inherit the kingdom of God in that way. Now, why is this important? Because it's a kingdom of faith. The way we enter and the way we continue and grow in this kingdom is through faith. And how do I know what's in this invisible realm? If I can't rely on my feelings, if I can't rely on my five senses or my own good works to tell me whether I'm doing well, how do I know? God's word. Romans 10, 17, faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by this message. When I read God's word, just as I heard about Jesus being crucified for me, that snake, that bronze serpent being held up for me, and I believed it, I imagined it, and I said, yes, that's true. Even though I wasn't there, even though I didn't sense it with my five senses, I believed it and I believed I was forgiven. It's the same with everything in our Christian walk. We read God's word. We imagine it. We say, God, I'm choosing to believe this instead of my guilt, my conscience, my feelings, what others seem to say, uh, even what my bodily symptoms say. You can say, I still have stomach ache or pain, but I believe that Jesus has paid for my healing. And I'm going to stand on that because in my spirit, not my flesh, but in my spirit, I'm healed. And what happens is it starts to work itself out from the inside out. It starts to work. Our spirit is made perfect. Then our soul, our emotions and our thoughts start to come in line with that. And eventually my body and often even healing happens in my body. But it won't fully come. The whole world won't be made perfect until Jesus comes back. And in this middle, in between time. There are millions of people walking around with the kingdom of heaven inside of them. It's working itself out in their bodies and in their world around them. And it's growing more and more around us. And then one day Jesus will come back and the kingdom of heaven will be fully in place on earth. Now, have you received this kingdom? Just say, Lord Jesus, I believe in you. I see you dying for me on the cross. I believe that your death on the cross was enough to forgive me and to make me brand new. I thank you for making me born again, for putting a new life and power within me. And Lord, I will allow this spiritual kingdom to rule my life and to change me 
for the rest of my days. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Please consider supporting this ministry by making a donation on the giving page at leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.